0: Hi, this is Usha Tiwari. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Indian Caregiver. Today, I have a very special guest and a very dear friend, Evan Holler, who is the Senior Public Policy Manager for the Alzheimer's Association. We're going to talk about public policy in the Alzheimer's dementia world, as well as informing you how you can become proactive, whether it's in our state of Florida or in your state. So welcome,
1: Evan. Usha, thank you so much. I mean, it's it's such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Um, we've had quite a journey in advocacy over the last couple of years, so I can't wait to share that with all of your viewers.
0: Yes, and actually, um, Evan and I met um, via LinkedIn. I was um, a new newly introduced into the caregiving world, and when I realized how... Um, You know, frustrating this journey can be and having worked um, for elected officials, my mind was determined to make a difference and to work with the Alzheimer's Association to advocate for resources and for legislation. That's where, you know, my passion is. I didn't know who to reach out to. One individual never reached out to me. I think I called the generic number or email. And I did my research on LinkedIn and came across Evan's profile. And I basically um, stalked him and bombarded him and just I said, I God. have, I want to write this article, but I want to include resources that include the Alzheimer's Association. And I think um, it was that January, so, a few years ago, that Evan and I connected. And since then, there's no looking back.
1: No, I mean, uh, Usha, I, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I was in a conference room in our, in our Central North Florida offices. I remember you had sent me multiple messages and I'm thinking, who is this? Do I even know this person? And I remember the moment we connected on the phone. I, I knew that we would be on this journey for years to come. And I, I'm just looking back and you bringing that up. I'm so blessed. That you did, that you did hassle me to get connected because I mean you've done amazing things in advocacy in the Alzheimer's area in the state of Florida. So I'm I'm just so so blessed to work with you.
0: Yes, and besides you know our interactions with elected officials, you've also helped me make sure facts are good for articles and stuff to be um, published um, locally as well as nationally. So I appreciate all the support. You and the advocacy team are a great resource. So let me introduce our viewers. So they have a... um, you know, understanding of who you are and why you truly are a rare gem in the advocacy world. Um, Evan Holler is the Senior Public Policy Manager for the Alzheimer's Association, where he helps advocates repackage their personal journeys with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia into positive messages. That helps create change in the state of Florida. Evan works with advocates to help forge strong relationships with their state and federal elected officials to help educate them and raise awareness about how this disease greatly impacts constituents here in the Sunshine State of Florida. So let's get right to it, because we have a lot of material to cover. Evan, let's talk about the Florida advocates, why they are special and what we have accomplished.
1: Yeah, no, it's a a great, uh, honestly, uh, first of all, the advocates and our volunteers in general are the heart and soul of the Alzheimer's Association. We are the largest voluntary healthcare organization dealing with Alzheimer's disease um, and and, and solely uh, fueled by our volunteers. So honestly, we would be nothing without them. It's a true pleasure and honor to get to uh, work with advocates and volunteers on a daily basis. I, I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. So, um, why Florida is so important? And this is a great question because Florida is the second highest prevalent state across the country for Alzheimer's disease. We have 580,000 Floridians currently living with this disease, and that number is increasing uh, every single day. We're, like I guess the second highest prevalent state right behind California. So Florida is ground zero for this public health epidemic. And it just presents very unique challenges for uh, a person living with Alzheimer's disease and their caregivers. So uh, advocates in this state are incredibly valuable and incredibly important. And um, I just I love I love working with them and empowering them, just like you, Usha, to me with their elected officials. Because one thing I, I wake up and remind myself every morning is if, if we're not advocating, you know, in a positive way to our elected officials about something we. Are, are affected by and deeply care about, then who will? So um, I, I just, I really love that you brought that up and, and Florida is a very important state. Again, we have a, one of the largest aging populations in the state, so this this disease and, and you know, the, the effects that it, it kind of has on families um, across our state and across the country is not going anywhere.
0: Yes, and I also wanna, you know, speaking of advocates and the Alzheimer's Association, The advocacy team in Florida does a wonderful job educating advocates um, on social media. I think that you ease the um, discomfort levels for those who are not tech savvy or feel comfortable posting on social media. And I think, you know, because of that, that helps a lot in our state um bringing attention to um elected officials about the importance of this um you know how we create a social media movement um when we need to
1: yeah no and and you're absolutely right i think social media has really created a vehicle um for us to connect with our elected officials you know not just during the pandemic but just in general because um, a lot of um, elected officials members of congress state um, representatives um state senators they're all on social media platforms like facebook and twitter so it gives us a chance to uh keep reminding them and, and share stories about our advocates like Usha, you and i have made many videos um you know uh, trying to share your stare, your story and your caregiver journey with with your elected officials um in your area and, and they've they've retweeted they've responded they've resonated they've remembered those social media interactions when we're on the hill meeting with them or when we're in Tallahassee meeting for our state advocacy days so um it's just been a great opportunity to really continue to raise awareness and get that message out
0: i think also you guys you know for me working um professionally I, um for about 13 14 years um, working for elected officials I what I what also um, draws my attention is that you spend a lot of time you Michelle and Jen um, training the advocates with materials with manuals um you know just making the journey more comfortable
1: yeah um, you know training is is really important um it, it's just it, a lot of will come in or not a lot but some advocates will come into this process and they'll be a little bit nervous They'll, you know maybe have not talked with their elected officials before um, might be nervous about going into an office and meeting with an elected official but I I think our training and the guides that we um, have on hand that are digital and printable um, really help because it it just makes it easy to share you know facts and figures and hard numbers and, and data with our elected officials and also um, pretty robust pieces of legislation that we've run in the past couple of years. So uh, training has been something we've really strived for here in Florida, and something that um, I, I think we do a really good job at.
0: Yes, you do, definitely. And you know, going into our next question, which is, I know it's quite an in- extensive um, information to absorb, but I do use those trainings that are sent, those one pagers, those fact sheets, I do use it, um, you know, to publish it on my own social media, as well as if I'm writing articles and stuff. So they are valuable and much appreciated, um, as well. So Evan, I would like for you to spend some time, um, discussing the federal priorities. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can touch upon some success stories and some of our champions, um, in the Alzheimer's legislation community.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, another good question. We have, um, um, I won't try to spend too too much time on this, I'll just try and give us a nice overview. Um, every year we have uh, a lot of really robust uh, federal priorities that um, we work with advocates to meet with their elected officials. So this year is no different. Um, being the second highest prevalent state, we got to have some really good priorities out there for our advocates to talk about. So we have about five federal priorities this year. So I'm just going to do a little um, uh, just an overview of each one. And one of our most robust pieces of legislation is the Comprehensive Care for Alzheimer's Act. And so just a little bit of background information. There's over 95 individuals who are living with dementia that have one or more chronic condition um, and, and which making the management of their chronic conditions and dementia uh, very, very complicated, uh, as cognitive impairment will do. And individuals with dementia rely heavily on family members to provide a large amount of care, which is often very intrusive and exhausting for the caregiver. So um, basically, uh, under the current system, many practices can't afford upfront costs of developing, implementing, uh, and sustaining a dementia care management program. Um, so instead of uh, paying for fee for each specific service, providers think and we believe should receive an annual per patient payment for all services provided under the program so it's, it's called a dementia uh, care management model and, and this is a model that we use for cancer and uh, joint replacements and all that kind of stuff that's really worked it kind of it lumps everything in under one system and the structure allows dementia care management programs to be financially feasible for health care providers and practices and especially for smaller practices and, and rural practices, which you know Florida is full of, um, and also inner city health care centers. So um, so the structure for a dementia care management model would provide services such as the development of the dementia care plan, care coordination, and navigation. And, and also one of the most important things is the caregiver education and support. Um, you're, you're a caregiver, USHA, so you know um, what not say burden in a negative way because we're caring for people that we love, but it, it's it's very hard. It's a, it's a realistic burden.
0: It's a realistic burden that can happen exactly. to anyone at any time.
1: Exactly. It is. A, anyone anyone who has a brain can get Alzheimer's disease. So uh, any one of us can be in this situation. And I know you and I both have, deal with this in our family. So under this uh, care management model, it's, it's also ensuring patients have access to an interdisciplinary team of providers that have dementia care expertise and also it reimburses providers through a capitated payment and incentive payment based on performance so that's kind of our our big uh really big robust piece of legislation that we are uh you know us and as policy managers and and all the help from the advocates which i believe does a lot more in this realm um are trying to push through the federal government right now mm-hmm. and then um so we have two other pieces of legislation like that was the big one so i wanted to go a little bit more into that um we have an alzheimer's caregiver support act and another little bit more background on this we found that nearly half of all caregivers who provide help to older adults do so for someone with alzheimer's or another form of dementia and in 2020 family members and friends of individuals living with dementia provided unpaid care valued at nearly 257 billion dollars that's billion with a b it's a lot of and a lot of time and so on average and again you know this this might be a little bit lower but on average uh, each dementia caregiver today spends 20% more time providing care than a dementia caregiver did a decade ago and I'm sure you can speak to that a little bit too Usha
0: It is and you know it's especially difficult for me because I work full time and take care of my mom so um, you know finding that balance is very challenging you know it's just it seems like time is never never on my side to do what I want to do, as well as to make sure that my mom is comfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, gosh, you do so much advocacy. I again, I I know you you work really hard to find time for it, and so hopefully a piece of legislation like this, Alzheimer's Caregiver Support Act. I mean, if it gets passed and signed into law, which we're we're pretty confident, hoping that it will, it's going to provide grants for training, support services for families and unpaid caregivers of individuals who are are living with the disease. And also um, those who are eligible to receive the grants in the communities are like health centers, senior centers, state agencies, and then the... uh, one of the important things about this is that at least 10% of the funding must go to those who serve caregivers in a medically underserved community. And as you know, Florida, Florida again is very rural. Um, there's a, it's a it's a big state, so there are a lot of medically underserved um, communities, little pockets of it here and there in the state. So I think this uh, caregiver support act is going to be really crucial um, to helping individuals like yourself and and the over a million caregivers who are currently providing unpaid care um, in the state of Florida. So um, I know I know you advocated for this bill heavily when we were working in your elected officials' offices, and so I, I really appreciate all your support for that. So I'm going to move on to our, our third um, and final piece of federal legislation for this congressional cycle. And this one I really love, too, because this is the um, – the ENACT Act, um, you know, in Congress, we love our an acronym. So um, the ENACT Act is um, the Equity in Neuroscience and Alzheimer's Clinical Trials Act. And a little bit more background on that. So we were looking at numbers. So in, in 2018, across all clinical drug trials, not just Alzheimer's, but um, uh, African-American black communities represented only about 5% of trial participants. And Hispanic communities only represented about 1% despite representing 13% and 18% of the population, respectively. Um, and, and that can be truer in Florida. You know, we have a very diverse demographic down here. And the thing that blows my mind about those numbers right there, Usha, is that um, the Hispanic population is 1.5 times more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease, and the African-American population is 2 and 2.5 and times as likely to develop this disease. So if we're not getting these diverse communities in clinical trials, um, we're really not doing enough due diligence on on our um, journey towards one day having a a cure for this disease. So this ENACT Act, what this bill is going to do is it's going to provide funding for the NIA to build trust among underrepresented populations, um, and really by expanding education and outreach, increasing the diversity of clinical trial staff. It's also gonna reduce the burden associated with participating in clinical trials. So things like funding new Alzheimer's disease research centers or ADRCs as we call them, and also increasing the number of Alzheimer's clinical trials in areas with high concentrations of underrepresented populations. So making, making these um, ADRCs more accessible So that um, our more diverse and underserved and underrepresented populations who we desperately need to get in these trials have just easier time, um, gaining access to them. And then the last thing that this bill is going to do, and I I don't say if it gets passed anywhere, I'm going to say when it gets passed, because I I have high confidence in in this piece of legislation as well, is that it's going to require grant recipients to use community based engagement strategies in their outreach to underrepresented populations. So again trying to make clinical trials more accessible to all diverse populations who at times uh, and often are more affected by alzheimer's disease so those were our, our three uh priority pieces of federal legislation this year um there are just two appropriations requests we're working on and of course Usha, as you know and every time we go into an elected official's office um, we, they uh, sometimes will be like, oh, you're coming back to ask for more money for more research funding at the National Institutes of Health, and my answer is always, until we find uh, a cure for Alzheimer's disease, we're always going to come back asking Congress to continue to increase research funding um, at the National Institutes of Health. So, uh, we we've been hitting some incredible um, research funding strides. We were about like about seven or eight years ago, about at 500 million or less in research funding at the National Institutes of Health. And we are way, way above the $3 billion mark now. Um, this year, we're asking for another $289 million in increased research funding. So we'll keep increasing that research funding every year because when you look at um, other top 10 leading causes of death, like HIV cancer, um, before the research funding was hitting that 4 or $5 billion mark, you know, there there weren't any treatments or cures, and now we're seeing a lot of treatments and cures for both HIV, AIDS, and cancer patients. So um, it's really when that research funding matches up with important federal legislation that we start finding um, helpful opportunities and and treatments and cures for these uh, big diseases. So the last one that I'll touch upon, and then I'll give it back to you, Usha, is... um, one of our biggest, uh, one of our biggest federal wins, and this was like the first piece of, uh, first robust and big piece of uh, legislation that the Alzheimer's Association um, established, was the Bold Infrastructure for Alzheimer's Act, and and this was a, a huge piece of legislation that works with the CDC to um, create centers of excellence and provide opportunities for, you know, health departments to apply Um, and states to apply for grant opportunities so that they can uh, create these centers of excellence and also um, be kind of an epicenter for raising awareness and disseminating information, just like we do for the flu season, but really tailored to Alzheimer's disease. You know, things like uh, healthy brain tips and healthy living, ways to reduce risk of cognitive decline, and all those things that can really help somebody um, and a caregiver just gain more information about this disease, you know, create these little epicenters, these centers of excellence that are, are helping in each of the states. So this bill, which was, I think this was one of the first bills that you and I advocated together.
0: Yes, it was. I remember um, my first meeting was with Congresswoman Val Demings' office in D.C. and um, we advocated for this bill and um, it was truly a success and memorable advocacy moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, oh my gosh, uh, speaking of a champion here at the Sunshine State, Congresswoman Demings has been, a, uh, she has a personal connection to this disease, so she has has signed on to every piece of legislation, has supported every appropriations request and has been inc- uh, incredible. And I remember when we were leaving that D.C. office um, before we even got back home to Florida, um, she was already a, a co-sponsor on the bill list before our, our plane even landed. So that was, uh, yes. you know, it's just it was moments like that where we realized that advocacy really works, you know, Usha?
0: No, that's that's so true because that is one of my most memorable moments. Besides being in a room full with over twelve hundred advocates from across the country being passionate about this, but no, Congresswoman Demings and you know um, most of the Central Florida delegation, they it's it's great to work with them because they do recognize the importance and um, for for these pieces of legislation that we advocate for. And to just go back when you you know you did mention it because I have heard it several times when they see us with our purple sashes they're like oh no these people are asking for more money but you know elected officials should keep it in perspective is that that money is an investment for the future because if they don't invest that money now in awareness and then finding a cure and addressing the various health you know it, issues associated with Alzheimer's disease, this is truly going to become a healthcare tsunami. So that's the reason why I'm even, you know, it's even more passionate to advocate for this because, you know, we can see the long-term effects, what this will have on the healthcare system, you know, can potentially cripple our healthcare system and, you know, um, economically as well, because as caregivers, we see it, how, you know, our families, um, those who are suffering with it, change from day to day. And it's, you know, really fascinating how the brain works. So, you know, um, hopefully, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's great that we've got the support that we do have and that we need, and we just have to keep building it through advocacy. No, yeah,
1: you know, and, and, and oh gosh, I mean, and, and since we built so much support through advocacy, and this is, and the one thing that I really like to explain to people, which I don't really think I need to anymore, but, Alzheimer's disease affects everybody. This is, Mm -hmm. this is not a red issue. This is not a blue issue, but when you have both of those parties come together for a bipartisan issue, um, you know, red plus blue equals purple and purple is the color of the Alzheimer's association. So, um, this is a bipartisan issue. This is something that members on both sides of the aisle are constantly working on with us. Um, we have amazing other champions, you know, Rep Demings is one of them, also Congressman Rutherford up here in the Jacksonville area, has been a huge champion since day one, has signed on to every piece of legislation, you know, is is, uh, willing to work across the aisles to um, really work on bipartisan legislation. And I think that's really important in in today's, uh, and I hate to say this word, but today's political climate, because we really need members to work across the aisles um, for, for big top 10 leading causes of death like
0: this. Yeah, I think think that's the reason why the Alzheimer's Association, the color purple, which also represents caregivers, is so powerful because this is one piece, area of legislation where they agree, um, agree on it. And another interesting, you know, I've noticed as I've been an advocate traveling to Tallahassee, Washington, D.C. these last few years, is that more and more individual elected officials has a direct cause to this disease. So they're able to relate to us and understand, which I didn't feel like it was there, you know, a few years ago. Uh,
1: I love that you brought that up. That's actually, so our first trip to DC, I think you and I were, you were on my first trip together like four or five years ago. And uh, let's see, at first when we were walking into those offices, I'd say about 30, 40% of the members actually needed us to explain what Alzheimer's disease was needed, needed advocates to share how their family members are impacted. And, um, since we've been back, well, we were virtual this year because of the pandemic. But even, even virtually, I, I remember us sitting on all of our, our um, meetings for federal offices, and we weren't explaining what Alzheimer's was anymore. They were before we even had a chance to speak. The the members of Congress, almost all of them, were sharing their personal stories. A friend that's been affected, a family member, would that they're a caregiver currently. So every year, even their um, staffer,
0: even their staffers, start opening up to us.
1: Oh my gosh. I mean I, I swear there's a there are staffers in every single mm-hmm. office who are like, We love what you're doing. i my grandmother has Alzheimer's, you know, my mother's going through this. And so it's just it's it is scary to know that um a lot of people are being more affected, but it also I think really cements in our hearts why we're doing this and why we're so passionate about it and why we're advocating.
0: Yes. No, and I think, you know, it's nice also when we see members and staffers, they know we're coming, that, you know, they wear purple to show their support. That means a lot as well, too, that they understand, you know, why we're doing what we're doing and to have their support. So even virtually, I saw this year, although we weren't together, you know, Uh some photographs, it was nice to see members and staffers wearing purple. They always make it a point to say that, which is always, (laughs) you know, it's, it's appreciated and it's really it's lovely to see and here
1: it is it is is. and and so i i i always love that and i love that you brought up the whenever we're back in dc with you know every every year we have a a federal advocacy forum where we train all the advocates on our priorities just like the ones i spoke about earlier um and and 13 to 1500 advocates from all across the country uh fly into dc we turn our nation's capital, purple, we're all in purple sashes. I mean, we basically take over the Capitol for one amazing and, and momentous hill day. And So they see the purple sashes and, and they know we're coming and we're fighting hard that day to get all of our priorities heard. So Exactly. Um,
0: <laughs> well, you know, Evan, this is a very passionate subject for both of us. And I know there's a lot of information for our listeners to observe and hopefully will motivate them to become advocates. So we just have like, you know, a few um, minutes left. I wanna make sure that you share your information, how individuals can reach out to you if they have any questions and if there's, um, I know the 800 number for the Alzheimer's Association is a valuable resource that I've used as a caregiver. I highly recommend it. It is saved on my um, phone when I need it. So if you can just touch upon that, our final minute or so, please.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so, of course, any time we're uh, doing a, kind of a podcast or anything like this, we always want to touch upon that uh, the Alzheimer's Association has a 24-7 uh, free uh, care helpline backed by dementia specialists. So, this number is 800-272-3900, uh, 800-272-3900. And like I said, this, this uh, helpline is open day or night. It's backed by dementia specialists. If you're feeling alone, if you if you're feeling overburdened, um, or if you just you just want to talk to somebody or or listen to someone or learn about resources, really anything that you need um, when you need it the most is on that helpline. So please, please call that when you need it the most, and it's free and it's always available. and And the dementia specialists who are on that helpline are just incredible, and and they just they love helping people they love doing what they're doing they're very good at it
0: yes and i would also encourage um, our listeners to take advantage on the alzheimer's website um, alz.org, there's a lot of virtual programs that are available to, um, individuals that way, you know, it's an ongoing learning process. Um, but they, they do it with ease and very, um, you know, comfortably. So, and I will share Evan, um, in, in, um, my notes, your contact information, as well as the, if you're on Facebook, I would encourage you to follow the Florida advocacy page where you can get the latest news um, of the pieces of legislation in Florida and, you know, how you can become involved. So, Evan, I wanted to thank you so much for participating um, in this podcast episode. We planned this about six months ago and it finally um, happened. And I want to invite you again before the end of the year so we can also talk about some state um policies, as well as, um, you know, what the federal goals are and how we can recruit advocates. So um, this is a very passionate um, subject matter for me, and I'm so happy that you were able to participate.
1: Oh, Usha, it was, it was such a pleasure, and, and yeah, we our, our team and myself would be more than happy to come back as, as we're ramping up our state priorities here in Florida to speak a little bit about that in the next coming months. So um, please, please let us know when we can do that. Um, and I just, I'm again, just so blessed to know you and be your friend and, um, just be on this journey with you every single day. So thank you so much.
0: No, thank you so much. Take care.
1: Yep.